got to tell you, that song that we just sang is one of my new all-time favorite worship songs. How about you? I just love that song. In fact, the uh, first time I heard it a few years ago, you'll laugh at this, I, I, I don't download too many songs at my age. I just don't. My playlist is all the old stuff, the good stuff. But once in a while, I, I will hear a song in church or, or on radio, and it will just touch my spirit in such a profound way. And I, and I remember when that song, I first heard it, I thought, oh my word, this is an amazing song. In fact, uh, not to sound morose, but I said to Kim that night, I said, when I die, play that at my funeral, because that is a great song, and it's one that I would like to go out on, just not anytime soon. But we're in a uh, series right now that we're going to finish up tonight for just a few minutes, don't panic, and uh, it's a series that we've called Final Words. Uh, we've been looking over this last month, month of March, at the final words of Jesus on the cross, and tonight, as it is fitting for our Good Friday service, we get to the very last of Jesus's final words that he spoke on the cross as recorded by John, and they are very short, very few words, his final words, but they are oh so powerful. So let me read for you John chapter 19, verse 30. Just soak this in. I don't have a PowerPoint tonight. Just soak this in. Here's what Jesus, or here's what it says. It says, therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Those are the last three words that Jesus spoke before he died. And then, as we all know, on Easter Sunday would rise again from the grave. These are Jesus's final words. If anybody asks you what his very last words that he spoke on the cross before he died, you now know it is finished. And it's interesting, if you were a Roman guard or one of the Jewish leaders who were witnessing the crucifixion 2,000 years ago, what you would assume Jesus meant by that is that his life is finished, right? So here he is hanging on the cross, dying, and he says, it is finished, and then he dies. You would assume he just meant his life was finished. But we all know that that's not what he meant by that phrase, it is finished, uh, John would go on to write in his very first letter uh, called 1 John uh, what he meant by these words. John would write in 1 John 2, 2 that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only ours but also for the sins of the whole world. So here's what we know about that phrase, it is finished, that when Jesus was hanging on the cross there, the Romans and the Jewish leaders thought that they were just murdering a guy that they didn't like, but God for all of eternity past, had a plan for this moment. And that plan was that Jesus would come to this earth as the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, and God would allow him to be placed on that cross because when he was there, he atoned, the sacrificial atonement. He, he, he took our sins upon himself so that he would pay the penalty for our sins through his death that we should have paid. And that's what the Bible says, that all of us have sinned against God, every single one of us, and that that sin separates us from him, but that the whole importance of Jesus is that Jesus died on that cross and bore our sin upon himself. He paid the penalty for it. As we just sung, he took the wrath of God for it. And so when Jesus utters those three words, it is finished, that's what he's referring to that he had now atoned for our sins, and at that point, he could give up his spirit because it is done. And obviously, the Bible would go on to say that for us to appropriate that for our lives, in other words, to experience that forgiveness, 
then we need to have faith and trust in Jesus. In other words, you need to believe and receive what he has done for you. But once you've done that, then everything that Jesus meant by it is finished now comes true for you. Your sins are forgiven. You've entered into a right relationship with God. Heaven is now guaranteed for you. And so the it is finished are probably some of the most profound and powerful words ever spoken by Jesus because he's referring to what he has done for us. Now, as I have thought about these final words of Jesus over the last few months in anticipation of our Good Friday celebration here, I have one question for you that I think is a really significant question for you and I to consider as we're going to leave here in just a few minutes. And the question is this, it was finished for Jesus. That's a historical fact. Those are his last words. It was finished for Jesus, but is it finished for you? That's the question I would have for you tonight. Is it actually finished for you? Jesus hopes it would be, but is it? And some of you are saying, well, well, what do you mean by that, Jamie? You see, I've been a pastor now for over 30 years, a Christian for about 40 years, and as I have observed a lot of good-hearted followers of Jesus down through the years, what I've noticed about us is this, and I'm going to include myself in this, and that is that on a night like tonight, we give wonderful lip service to the theology behind what we're talking about. In other words, unless this is your first time coming to church or unless you've been a seeker for a while, and it's great that you are, unless you're that, most likely you understood what I just talked about earlier about the atonement. You've now tied it more to it is finished. And you're going to say tonight, well, I do believe that. I believe that Jesus died on a cross for our sin, my sins. I believe that he has forgiven me. I believe I'm going to heaven and good for you. We give wonderful lip service to the theology behind these words. But here's my concern, as I've observed a lot of Christians, and that is that deep down, where things matter most, deep in our heart of hearts, let's be honest, there are too many of us that struggle with truly accepting that this is true. And I mean really true for our lives today. <laughs> Here's where I've been at times past, even as a Christian, I've admitted to you guys before that I've struggled over the years with a low self-image. I, uh, as a little guy, didn't feel very loved by my parents. I had a sandpaper relationship with my dad, and uh, I was really small as a kid, and I got picked on a lot, and, and, and so I, I entered adulthood with a lot of holes in my soul, and I struggled with low self-image. And then when I was 17 years old, I accepted Jesus, but my, my spirit was still kind of like this, that whenever I would meet people, I would feel very small and I'd look at the ground and I felt very inferior to everybody, obviously including God. And so I knew that God loved me when I accepted Jesus. And I would tell you that I knew he forgave my sin, but I still felt very cruddy about my life. Anybody here relate? I still felt for a very long time as a Christian that I was not very forgivable. And then I'd mess up as a Christian and I'd go into the shame cycle and I'd say, well, how could God really forgive me? I can't really forgive that. I mean, I know he forgives this person, but could he really forgive me? And I'd have this battle in my soul. And so I'd be saying that I believe he forgive me, but if you ask, is it really finished for me? I'm not sure I believe that, especially early on as a Christian. Maybe you're there tonight. Is it finished for you? We'll help you with that in just a minute. 
But then there's a, another extreme today. I see this among Christians as well, and that's that we might not struggle with whether or not we're forgiven or not. We kind of stand tall, and you maybe had a different upbringing than I did. You feel very good about yourself. You're a millennial or something like that. And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, you kind of feel great about your life, and you go to church, and you hear the pastor say you're forgiven, and you're thinking, well, of course I'm forgiven. How could God do any other? I mean, you know, I'm the apple of his eye, and he loves me, and you feel very forgiven in your life, and you're very confident about your life. But then... When you hear that it is finished, you know you're forgiven, but are you, are you really free? And what I mean by that is are you really free to now get on with your life and become the more righteous, obedient, may I say repentant follower of Jesus that he wants you to be? At laying down your pride, laying down some of the sin that besets you, uh, finally becoming the, the holy set-apart person he wants you to be. I, I wonder how finished that is for some of us in our lives. We're forgiven, we're not struggling over there. But have we really repented of our sin and got on with our life? And some of you tend to say right now, well that's not really tied to these words that is finished, is it Jamie? Oh yes it is. Look at what Paul the Apostle would go on to write about how the Christian needs to live now that it is finished for you on the cross. Romans six, these are hard hitting words, I warn you. Paul says in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under law, but under grace." Do you get the idea here? I love how he ends there by saying you're under grace. So Howard, man, you've been set free. You're under the grace of Jesus. He loves you so much. He's forgiven you for every one of your sin and all of you and all of you watching online. All your sins are forgiven. And so now you're free, free to live a life of holiness and set apartness and righteousness under him. Is it finished for you? Randy Stonehill, one of the forerunners of the Christian gospel movement, <laughs> once said this in one of his songs. I love this little visual. He says, grace is not a place for you to wipe your feet. Grace isn't a place for you to wipe your feet. We have too many Christians today. It's not quite finished for them. They're still wiping their feet with the grace of God. And it shows that he's not quite finished or we're not quite finished as Jesus wants us to be. So is it finished for you? That's the question I have for you. Low self-image people, as you struggle with the, the promise that he has to truly forgive you, is it finished? At repentance resistant people, as you're sitting proud there today, knowing I know he forgives me, but your life hasn't really changed, is it finished for you? Because here's the cool thing about tonight, gang, and, and, and I can't say this any stronger than I'm gonna say it right now. If you're a low self-image person, if you're a repentance-resistant person, guess what? We're all in the same camp in this way, and that is that the answer to our ills lies in those three words, it is finished. <laughs> Watch this. The same three words that indict us that maybe we haven't gotten with Jesus and how finished it is, are also the same three words that can heal us. And you're saying, how does that work? It all comes down to faith. Are you or are you not willing to make a choice tonight to claim in a deeper, more abiding way for you that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago was enough? 
And that it truly can be finished if you make the decision for you. And it's a decision of faith. Paul the apostle would nail it in Galatians, Galatians 2 verse 20 when he says this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. <laughs> God, I love that. He's giving us the instructions right here that you and I tap into the it is finished reality of Jesus when we take our faith and place it squarely, firmly, and 100% on him. And some of you are saying right now, you're wrestling in your mind, you're saying, but Jamie, I've done that. I mean, I'm a Christian and I've trusted in him. Here's my point. Every day, have you read the Bible, is a battle for faith. Every day, as Paul the Apostle would say, we need to fight the good fight of faith. Because here's what's going on in our souls every day that causes us to either be that low self-image person or the repentance-resistant person. And that is that you watch, try it this week when it happens to you. The next time you're struggling in one of those modes, I promise you, you are not trusting fully in Jesus. You're not I mean, I experience this all the time. When I still struggle with my low self-image. I do, especially when you guys send me nasty notes and I read those and I, and, and, and I can spiral down in my shame and I can become like that, that, that awkward 14-year-old again who wants to please everybody around me and I'm not measuring up and I start to shrivel in my spirit. And see, here's what's happening when I do that at the age of 57. I have one foot trusting in me and you, and I have another foot over here trusting in Jesus, and I'm split. And what Jesus calls me, calls me to do in that moment is take my foot out of trusting in me and, and my awkward past and all that stuff and, and trusting in you and your words for me, good or bad, and to trust in him. See, that's what Good Friday calls me to do. It challenges me to say, Jamie, Jesus said it is finished. Is it finished for you? <laughs> And again, if you're the person over here struggling with your pride and what have you, faith is what you need too. Because here's what's happening for you. When you're struggling with your pride and you can't get over that sin and all these things that you struggle with, even though you know you're forgiven, you have one foot over here trusting in the world and your flesh and your own strength. And you have another foot saying, I'm trusting in Jesus. And again, what Good Friday calls you to do is to put both feet in his camp and trust in him. I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Therefore, now that I'm in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is what Good Friday screams to us. It is finished. And as I say to you guys quite often, you got a choice. You got a choice tonight to trust him or to trust yourself, the world, the flesh, all the things around you. I, for one, want to trust him more. Why? Because it is finished. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the call of Good Friday. I thank you for the very last three words of Jesus where he screams to us, it is finished. And Lord, if I don't miss my guess, we can all resonate with this tonight. We all, many of us, or at least all of us, believe that it is finished for our lives because we have good theology and we've been around the church block a lot of times and that's why we're here tonight, to, to once again focus on you. But as we do that, Father, I pray that you might help us to go even deeper and to give real cogent thought, Lord, and an audit to our soul to ask ourselves, how finished is it for us? Because I gotta believe, Lord, we have some room to grow. 
So tonight, Lord, where we sit, we take that faith that you've given us and we're not gonna place it in the world, we're not gonna place it in ourselves, we're not gonna place it in those around us, we're gonna place it in you. So as we cap off our worship tonight, Lord, may this be a time where we trust you more and more for it is finished. And I, for one, we are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.